1: Hello, and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. I don't even want to do an intro. I just want you to get into this interview. One of my favorites. It really was. And man, not only did I need it, but they they just, they come sometimes unexpected. We're talking to Jeff Garson. Jeff is a lawyer turned psychotherapist. And right there, in and of itself, you've got you've got a conversation because, you know, I don't want to pick on lawyers, but let's be honest. He's a social activist, graduate of John Hopkins University, the University of Pennsylvania Law School, and the Bryn Mawr College School of Social Work and Social Research. And what we're actually talking about is he is the co-founder and chair of the Decency Foundation. His mission is to bring decency's seven values to every area of living with a special emphasis on business. Look, that can sound weird. That's not the best pitch for this. Let's talk about the book. Book is Radical Decency, a values based approach to a better life and world. Trust me. Listen to this interview. Like, how many times do I really push up front? We get into some pretty deep stuff, but I think it's a conversation you'll enjoy. Let us know what you think. SmartPeoplePodcast at gmail.com. If you like these conversations, if you want us to keep bringing them to you, you can always support us. You get ad free episodes, connect with our guests patreon.com slash smart people podcast. Let's get into it. We're talking to Jeff Garson about his new book, Radical Decency, a values-based approach to a better life and world. Enjoy. So, you know, Jeff, before we hit the record button here, I was talking about what hooked me about your topic, your book, what you do. And it was this idea of a values-based approach. When you said, you know what, I'm going to put my stake in the ground that we need as a society, as a whole, as a globe, to start taking a values-based approach, what do you mean by that?
2: So, um, well, it gets back to um, diagnosis, really. Um, I, I do think that we live in a world that's just littered with injustice and indecencies, and it's not good. Uh, and um, having experimented for many years with various approaches, I concluded that what we're facing actually is a values-based approach. Uh, I'm sorry, a values-based problem. Uh Uh, And um, I characterize the predominant values as compete and win, dominate and control. And and I'm careful to say that these are perfectly good values. I mean, they definitely have their place and I approve of them, but they're way out of control. Uh They're everywhere. Uh, and uh, they're in our marriages, uh, you know. They're in the ways that we feel about ourselves, and so on. Uh, uh, so, if we have a values-based problem, it seems to me that the core initiative to turn things around has to be values-based. So, what I advocate for is um, to reorient yourself uh, to a set of values that I call decency, and I break down into respect, understanding. Um, empathy, acceptance, appreciation, fairness, and justice. Uh, and you can see it diverges dramatically from compete win, dominate and control. Uh, the other uh, point I make is that we are intensely creatures of habit and we're very influenced by the environments we live in. So if we're going to pull this off, um, both in our personal lives and in the way we're in the world, uh, we're going to have to practice those values at all times and without exception which is the radical part of my philosophy. So it's decency radically practiced or radical decency.
1: A Couple of things i tell you, Jeff, and, and this is not only is this complete authenticity and honesty, but the listeners haven't heard me say this much. So people behind the scenes know this. After 10, 11 years of doing this, I feel like I've built this superpower where pretty early on in an interview or a discussion, I can kind of decipher where's this going, Where's the value? How well articulated is this going to be? How interesting? And I'm telling you, this is going to be awesome. And the way I know this is I already have five things, as you were saying, I was like, I could talk about each of these for an hour for what it's worth. I think you're spot on.
2: I can't be more excited about that because, you know, the whole concept of radical decency is always going to be a work in progress. Mm -hmm. It's just too complicated. So uh, when people try to pick it apart and ask good questions, that's, that's the most fun.
1: That's how we figure it out. So let's start with this kind of general assumption, which is the world is undecent. I don't think that's a hard statement to make, but I do think it's probably one we could easily push back on and try to disprove. I'm thinking along these, these lines. I can validate it's undecent. I can look at war, the way we treat our poor uh, and, and wealth gaps. I can look at the way uh, we're treating the world and the environment. I can look at climate change. I mean, there's a million places, but I could also say we're, we're, we're still striving. It's aspirational. You'd rather live today than 100 years ago, 100 than 200. So... Tell us about this foundational thing,
2: which is, it is an undecent place. Wow. Um, I mean, there's so many ways of approaching that issue. Um, look, look, so many things have changed over the last 400 years, uh, 2,000 years. Um, and yeah, a lot of things are better. I mean, fewer people are starving. That's a good thing. Uh, but, but I do think fundamentally, well... Um, I'm a psychotherapist, a lawyer turned psychotherapist. Um, In my psychotherapy practice, I'm so aware of the fact that we're always dealing with two parts of the brain. The more fundamental part of the brain, which I think is affiliative and loving, we need each other, we care about each other, and our fight or flight brain, which is about survival. And survival is, you know, it's no joke. Um, So our fight or flight brain is about annihilating danger. Uh, And that danger can be physical, or it can be psychological. And I think what's happened increasingly in our culture is that um, uh, we're spending more and more time in our fight or flight brain. And when you're in your fight or flight brain, you're not doing good things to the people that you perceive as dangerous, nor to yourself, because you have to be completely tough-minded on yourself when you feel like you're at risk. Uh, and that's indecent, and, and I do think um, it's a theme behind so many things that you you know, pointed out um, are going on in the world that are indecent. Again, I like that approach for this fact. You're not trying to say the
1: world in its entirety is this awful place. What I'm hearing is also a sentence that I wrote down. I, I very rarely write down entire sentences. It's just chicken scratch here. But I mean, people listen to this, right? In our present world, we are groomed to push for more, to be the best, to be a success, to win. Then, when this strategy for living falls short, we blame ourselves. Like, that statement resonates, especially for those probably listening who want to achieve, who want to excel, who want to succeed, who want to make something of themselves and those around them, and it hurts a little bit. And I think that is when we talk about undecent to ourselves, and then, like you said, the environment that might push us to feel this way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 one of the keys to this is in decency to self, which I think is as sorely missing in our culture as decency to others in the world. It It, it, it is tragic. Uh, and, y- you know, I always um, I've, I've grown to uh, be very focused on the mantra that you hear all the time, which is you can do anything if you try hard enough. And it sounds great, right? And when we see it on ads, we're wow, yes. You know, he overcame the odds and won an Olympic gold medal. Um, But there's there's a second part to that sentence, which is, you can do anything if you try hard enough. So if you don't succeed, you only have yourself to blame. And boy, does that operate in the world. And it is so sad. I see it in my therapy practice all the time. And well, the the second best football team in the universe, what do they do all winter long? They walk around feeling like terrible people, failures because they lost the Super Bowl. I mean, really? I have long seen a
1: benefit to this mindset of my results are are mine and mine alone. I have authority over what happens to me. So many people know this previous life. Um, I I taught for Franklin Covey and Seven Habits, and a big thing is the stimulus determines your response, but you you get to choose how you respond to that. I have authenticity over myself, and I believe in that, but put in the context you're saying, which is if everything is the result of you, then all the naturally, perhaps unpleasant things that happen, you will also attribute to yourself.
2: That, that that's right. That that's true. So um, I, I completely agree with that. And you know, I started. I, I believe this deeply. Compete and win, dominate and control is a great thing. You know, it sharpens your wits. It it challenges you to do better. But there has to be more than that. It has to rest within. I think a broader sense of who you are and what your values are, where you can say to yourself, "It was great to give it my best shot." And this is how it turned out. And you know what? I can learn from that. You know, there's a wonderful thing in the Jewish tradition uh, where they say uh, when you go to a court, this is in the Talmud, and you lose, they say you should thank the judge because he's helped you understand a better course of action in the future. And I think that gets at what I'm talking about. It's not about not competing. It's about competing and then uh, and valuing it for what it does for you. It, it helps you achieve, and then putting it in a broader context.
1: What do you say to those that go? Look, these ideas of competition, winning, um, beating others—perhaps, perhaps the undecent side—is deeply rooted in survival, which is at the core of who we are. It's—it's it's, it, we can't stray from it. It's. It's as, par- as part of our DNA, as sleeping and breathing and, and mating, uh, things like that.
2: Hmm. My, my answer is you're right. Uh, absolutely. Um, and it has a place, but it's not everything. Uh, you know, one powerful moment I had um, years ago now, I was in Africa, and uh, we came up uh, on a pride of lions, and it was about three in the afternoon, and they were absolutely so relaxed and just lying on each other and you could see the connection you know the the between all of them and then the sun went down and just like that they were up and they were in line and they were hunting but you see they i think they had a better balance um they were able to be affiliative and loving and then when they needed to you know click into their fight or flight survival stuff they did and then they clicked back um I don't think we do that anymore, you know. we wake up in the morning and we hit the button and we start reading our emails and you know we're we're automatically on It's true, and not only are we
1: on, but we are conditioned, and we're speaking in broad generalities. I realize that, but not everybody but the vast majority are conditioned to believe exactly what you're saying, right. The goal of my day is in somewhat to gain to increase, to improve. And look, I'm saying a lot of this because this is something I've a battle I've kind of fought internally for, I mean, 20 years, you know, like I I, I fully uh, have have tried to do a lot of work here for the fact that it, it leads to unhealthy places. For me, it was a lot of anxiety and things like that. Um, so I get it. Right. And so are you advocating that first we start Inside or do we start with the environment we're in, therefore changing the systems and things like that?
2: Yeah, I think it has to be all of the above, and it's something I feel very strongly about. Um, You know, people, really great people who are friends and who I admire will say, well, let's start with the children, you know, or let's start with this or let's start with that. I don't think we can. You know, starting with the children, if we're teaching them bad values, we're not starting with the children. Um so um so this mantra decency to self others in the world um I take very seriously. The other way to look at it is um you know so you start internally, which is the place where most people start. Um well then I go out in the world. And um, you know, I'm do what I have to I was a lawyer for twenty-five years. I do what I have to do, mm-hmm. right? Um in this, you know, it was a decent law firm, it's a big law firm, you know, quote good guys. Well, the problem is that everything in that larger world invades the smaller islands of decency I'm trying to create. I I just don't think it works. Um, That's why I say decency to self-others in the world. Um, But if you bring it to every place, then each place in your life reinforces decency in the other places. So you kind of reverse the equation. I do want to
1: talk about lawyer turned psychotherapist. I mean, that's just... I mean, I, I, got, I could I could spend an hour on that. But I want to talk about the psychotherapist part for a second, because when I think of this idea, okay, I'm going to really take this this approach to change those values to more of the, the decency and all of the components you mentioned, as opposed to strive, succeed, and win. And I think about it even as simply as in my marriage. There is a part. Now, I'm not saying it's the primary part, and I think I'm a pretty good partner, but there is a part that... The fight or flight or the fear piece that pops up and says, if you do this, if you spend more time, what, what are the characteristics you were talking
2: about of decency? You mean the seven values? Yeah, the values. Respect, Sorry. understanding, empathy, acceptance, appreciation, fairness, and justice. Okay. So if I spend the time there,
1: then do I lose the, I don't want to call it allure, but the, the masculinity? Do I lose the... Um, you know the the aspect that is maybe male or just maybe attractive or maybe uh ingrained in us you know there' there's a fear of 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 moving away from the the lion right uh I don't know how do you feel about that? I'm sure you hear things like that no, that's
2: a great question that I haven't heard a lot of. okay <laughs> and I, I was thinking about myself because I, I do, you know, I was a, I was a litigator, you know, right, yeah, so, thank you, yeah, so I have that. Mm-hmm. It's not like um, when I took this journey, um, I had to um, um, worry about seeming masculine in the world. So I, I, I can't say that I've reflected on that a great deal. Um, I, I, I do think that. Um, the old-fashioned view of masculinity is is kind of a false god. Mm -hmm. Um, You you know, there's a lot that just rings hollow to me. Uh, You know, toughest guy in the room, yeah, 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 you know. Um, And and I think what I think of as true masculinity, really, I don't think is at odds with this philosophy. Yeah. Um, Because it's tough-minded. You know, the minute you introduce decency to self into the equation, which I absolutely insist on, this is not a Pollyanna thing. It's not like be nice to everybody. Right. Right. And, and that's key. And maybe that's the best answer to your question. You know, it, it, it's very assertive.
0: This episode is brought to you by Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week including calorie smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Fuel up fast with Factors' restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Head over to factormeals.com/smart50 and use the code SMART50 to get 50% off. That's code SMART50 smart 50 at factormeals.com slash smart50 to get 50% off. That's, I think that's the quick unlock for me there, which is,
1: look, decency doesn't mean passive or weak. Uh, it, it actually could mean the exact opposite, right? Because you are trying to be, you know, constantly um, a certain way. I think where it kind of triggered for me, if we remove it from, say, a relationship, but professional world, as you talk about being a lawyer, I can remember multiple times. Maybe I'm giving a presentation, or I'm uh, trying to influence, and feedback being like, "Hey, be more blank." It's never. It's very for me, at least. Um, it's not like be less often. It's be more. Be more assertive. Be more strong. Be more uh, impactful. Be more sure of yourself. Be more, and like that just gets drilled in to people as they climb, especially the corporate ladder as well, and can be misinterpreted as one, uh, don't be as caring or outwardly focused and two: uh, be stronger. Don't like, don't be weak. And I think that is also what is getting caught up for me a little bit.
2: Yeah. Maybe one way of looking at this, um, is that, um, we do want to make our mark in the world and, um, and and if you go with the kind of compete win dominate and control framework that that is what we're offered, I mean what the heck we're offered it from forever you know our kids are worried about grades right that's compete and win so um so there's there's kind of a um I don't want to use a bad word but a, a, a more i'm going to call it debased uh, version of success which is very easy to see. Uh, But but I think if I if I step back and think about the people I admire the most, they do a much less obvious um, um, pathway to success and become transcendent because they combine decency with strength and with clarity and with willingness to take on tough challenges and accept consequences. And I think that is a key component, right,
1: is think about those that you admire uh, less than, you know, perhaps all the thoughts swirling in your head. I, a friend of mine recently, we were talking about thinking in general and I said, yeah, why is it so hard to process this in, in my own brain? And he was like, well, that's because we live in our own brains a hundred percent of the time. I only get a peek into yours, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> a 10th of a percent. And so the reason I say that is, um, we can get really jumbled a whole lifetime of perhaps different experiences, I- influences, et cetera. Uh, but you're right. When I look at who do I want to surround myself, who do I value, who do I want to emulate, um, decency is something that would come straight to the top. Man, I'm. that's a
2: great point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. I never quite thought of it that way. And I want to bring it back to you mentioned Franklin Covey. Mm-hmm. So I don't know his work, but I know his father's work. Yes. And it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And as I think about people that I admire, he is one person who has consistently stayed at the top of the list, and I find myself quoting him a lot yep uh, so point point well taken well, and you're right, actually I mean
1: the you know if we went down that path and and having worked there and understanding pretty in depth who he was and what he was about uh, i I think it does embody a lot of this because he was not weak in fact he was he was very strong uh but usually from what I have observed, with the best intentions. And that's kind of uh, a little bit what I'm picking up here. So I want to, and people are like, okay, Chris, I get it. I, I want to know how to do it. We're going to get into that, but there's just so much depth here. I want to talk about um, the, the how our environment impacts our habits and, and how habits play a role in this. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about
2: that. Again, where to begin? Yeah. Um, well, um so let's think about couples, okay, uh, which you mentioned. And that is my great love as a psychotherapist working with couples. And um, and it's tragic, actually, because couples come in and um, where most of them start is, we're in trouble. Let me tell you what she's doing. And then, of course, she's saying, we're in trouble. Let me tell you what he's doing. Well, that's fight or flight, isn't it? You know? Mm-hmm. Change, because we, we got to get better. You got to change, and 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 to me that's pure fight or flight. Right, I'm anxious. I've been tripped into fight or flight, which is very fast and very strong. And you're the enemy. I need to neutralize you. Okay, and then think how hard it is to make the shift. The shift being, I hear your anxiety and I'm not going to take it as an attack on me but an expression of your anxiety and instead of telling you about my anxiety I'm going to make choices that ease your anxiety. Well, I understand why you're so upset because I came in and I just ignored the kids and sat down and watched television. It makes sense that it upset you. Why wouldn't it? And what's so beautiful about it, I'm drifting, I think, a bit from your question, is um, your wife has a moment of healing, right? You have a moment of growth because you've managed your instinct to counterattack and you've been the person that you want to be. Patient, loving, understanding. Now, getting back to your point, this isn't milquetoast stuff. Right. You might say, I know you're upset that I didn't take care of the kids when I came in but I really had to get to this phone call it it just it was was not an option i'm sorry you're upset uh, and i really do feel badly about that but i needed to take care of myself too are you saying that the environment we're in in this scenario would be kind
1: of uh, a relationship and there's a lot of things we have to get done we're busy we've got kids all that uh, so the habits we fall into are those of perhaps blaming others, not paying attention, always being on the defensive, and therefore can lead to a lack of focus on values?
2: Yeah, I think so. Sure. Um, And another version of that, which I think we talked about earlier, is the drive to succeed can lead to, you know, losing focus on values also. You know, I mean, I want this contract, and I'm just going to do what I have to do to get it. It's just too valuable to me
1: how much of our perhaps undecent, you know behaviors are caused by the need or want to be accepted or um promoted or you know loved by others cuz i'm thinking about this this idea of success right um everybody faces this i just talked to the former ceo of stubhub and i was talking she's got a family i said you know how hard is it to find balance um, every, especially striving professional, right? Um, so you've got your family or your your hobbies. They're at odds to some extent with the time you dedicate to work, but you want your boss or your company to, you know, there's so many competing demands trying to please others leading to lack of authenticity, perhaps a less of our decent values-based approach.
2: Well, see, w- w- one of the... Um... One of the challenges of this approach, if you really try to be decent at all times in every context, in every moment, uh, is that um, it does not fit that well with traditional notions of success. Uh, now, it, it doesn't mean that you can't be a success, but um, you know, the minute you throw yourself into a large corporation or a large law firm, the odds are about 99% that, um, that um, if you're going to succeed, you're going to have to succeed on their terms. And succeeding on those terms is going to mean that you're going to have to compromise your values. Um, so it's, it's a tough world out there. Uh, and the solution that I've come to in my life is that I started and run the businesses that I've been involved in for the last 20 years. And uh, so that's allowed me the space, you see, to uh, structure my businesses in a way that uh, doesn't... Put me in exactly the situation that I was in for 25 years when I was a lawyer. You know why I love this? I've thought about this for
1: a while. So I started in finance and for a very similar reason said I want to run my own company. And then from there, I helped build a nonprofit. I started a coaching business. I wanted, you know, I mean, it was like I can't abide by their versions of success because it makes me have to be a person that I don't want to be. And I don't mean a mean or a bad person. I just mean I couldn't be as. Um, I don't know. I like people as kind as caring. I just couldn't do it at least to your point in the context that I want. And I've seen it so much in just the past 10, 12 years. Think about this idea of the, uh, gig economy, the creator economy, right? Uh, all the people trying to, I'm not sure if you've heard of like fire, it's, uh, financial independence, retire early. Um, is this, this thing and just all these things, people are just trying as hard as they can to, to uh, accomplish their financial goals and needs and then get out. Like it's just, or do it on their own terms only at the sacrifice of things like healthcare and stability. And I think so often we just go, that's how it works. Look at capitalism. It is, but again, this goes back to your point. It is a structure, an environment designed to almost
2: progress this idea
1: of being undecent.
2: It, it, yeah, it, 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 it's, and, you know, I do think, I mean, I stake my whole approach to living on the fact that fundamentally we are good people, we're affiliative people, um, you know, that, um, that the thing that makes this senseless thing we call our lives, you know, um, worth living is, you know, the love that we offer and the love that we get back. And, and I do think that's our basic nature but uh, but we can't, we're, we're twisted in a different direction uh, and and it's really tough you know this notion of make your money and then retire and do good in the world I have some very real skepticism about that I think you have to I, I don't think um, growing into a better set of values is at all easy I think it takes a lot of time and a lot of thought and a lot of you know good choices at you know important choice points in your life uh, So I'm not saying it can't be done, but I think the bulk of the people who make a fortune and then say, I'm going to save the world, um, wind up with a save the world strategy that looks a lot like, well, let's do compete and win, but uh, turn it into more food for people in Africa, which, which, which is good. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen, but it's not going to change the world.
1: It's not. And you know why? So I'm thinking back to a guest we interviewed literally probably eight years ago. And I, I like the guy, and I think what he's doing is good, but uh, he's, he very clearly said, you know, from early on, I said, I'm going to go work on Wall Street, I'm going to make a ton of money, I'm going to retire, I'm going to take that money to do good in the world. And he did exactly that. And he built some amazing nonprofits. So it's not a, uh, a negative against him, but here's what it doesn't do. It doesn't challenge the values of making money or Wall Street in the first place.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that it that's just, so important.
1: Yeah, it's just because think about it. Now you're essentially saying to the 18-year-old listening to that interview, "Okay, if I want to do well, I first then have to dedicate the 6, 8, 10, 15 years of schooling to finance, then I got to go, then I got to be in that environment, which I don't care what you say, if you're in it, you understand what I'm talking about, um just to get to this place where most of us want to get to in the first place." I I agree with you. I think you know, uh most people want to be exactly what you're saying, affiliative, helpful. It's where we get probably our, our most um enjoyment. It's been proven in a lot of, you know, very rigorous studies as well. So to your point, by by saying this is the way it has to be done, just further continues this this path of we have to go through being undecent perhaps to get to the end. And I keep using this term undecent. I don't want it to cause people to step back. It, I think it's I don't know. It's, that's very complicated. It's just this idea of maybe not being the best we can be, want to be, you know, feel we should be.
2: I was, um, I, I'm not going to be able to pick it up, but um, I, I read a book uh, by a man with an almost impronounceable Indian name um, about people. I call it the book about the best of the worst, about people who made lots and lots of money and then went out in the world and tried to save the world. Uh, and the limitations on their initiatives and the confusions about their initiatives and um and, and it was such an important point it, it was like um, y- you know it's that whole compete and win structure that we have to dismantle and I would feel a lot better if if people like Gates and so on said yeah I want to do all these great initiatives but I also want to really um, look at how I made my money uh, and and I, and I think we uh, don't hold me up as an example, uh, but um, I know a lot about how we might dismantle this um, very um, indecent um, structure uh, that's allowed me to live the life I've lived. Man, I thinking about it from an entire, you know, global,
1: uh, you know, paradigm shift from the beginning. I mean, that it, it's too massive to wrap my brain around, but I, I see then what you're getting at, right? I see kind of the core of your belief system there, which is like uh, you would have to, and you got to start somewhere, but reevaluate all aspects. Like you're talking about schooling. Like is the goal to grade on a bell curve, be at the top so that you can go to the top university. And although go into massive amounts of debt, now you have to graduate with a high paying job. Those high paying jobs tend to serve capitalistic, you know, and this sounds terrible. I don't mean it like that. It's just how I've experienced it to be designed and then truthfully breaking out and saying, I'm going to start my own nonprofit and all this, like in my late twenties was making less money doing twice the amount of work just to try to do good in the world. Um, because that's what I wanted to accomplish. And it was almost untenable,
2: but I'll tell you, I think your journey and mine, um, different stages of life are very similar because, um, I'm about 99.9% certain that you are so much happier. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Since you made I can't even, shift. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the same with me, you know, it, it won't surprise you to know that I'm making less money as a psychotherapist than I did as a, as a lawyer. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but in terms of, I mean, I wake up every day and I thank God I have the life I have, Yeah. you know, and, um, and that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it can be done. You said where to start. I have an answer to that question. Good, let's go I there, Cause everything?
1: I want to get, we're going to get into the action now. Okay. We've, we've got there. How do great, we do it? Let's great. get in there. So where do we start?
2: Okay. And then we'll get into the individual. Okay. So, um, here's what I've come to over the course of experimenting about, you know, in about 15 years, which is we got to do it every place, but the, the pivot point in the culture is business, right? Business runs the world. They fund everything else. You're right. Right? Okay. So that's the place to start with business. And I think there's a good case to be made for bringing radical decency to business. And, 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 and uh, there are increasing numbers of people who are saying this, but they're saying that, unfortunately, in my view, in a soft way, they're saying, oh, you know, being a good citizen and making money is a win-win well, it can't. There are elements of win-win in it, you know. If you run a decent company, you have loyal employees, you have loyal customers, um, you know. You have a, a better quality product. These things can improve the bottom line, but there's more to it than that. Uh, and without any proof at all, I say, you know, if you're going to run a radically decent business, 80 to 90 percent of the time, you're okay. The decisions um, you can just go with your better instincts, but there's that ten to twenty percent zone where you know you you gotta just bite the bullet and say you know what if I'm gonna be decent I'm gonna do this and it may affect the bottom line um, and um, so um, so I think we can do it in business I think you can run a viable radically decent business you may not make quite as much but you can make money. Uh, and you should, you're a business, I believe in capitalism, Of course. Um, but, um, but you gotta be tough minded. Uh, it's no joke. As we talk about business,
1: I, there's so many people like from my past chirping in my ear about, again, this being Pollyanna, you're, you're, you're being this kind of overly liberal approach to it. And I'll, I will tell you this, you know, for five years, I'd go to anywhere from 30 to 70 companies a year for anywhere from one to three days. And I'd get to to work with their people. I mean, damn near I'd say a hundred percent. It's probably more around 90% of people were there and they realized the benefit it served them, but they wanted more from it. They were doing it to get to somewhere else. Yeah, I've heard so many times it's a means to an end, right? Oh, oh, oh. I mean, it was very disconcerting. Um and look, you might say, Chris, that's not the right number. Fine. It's 75. It's more than half. I don't care what you say, uh, especially when you're in these places where, look, I'm trying to make money. I'm trying to do things for my family. I want the finer things in life. Nobody's criticizing that. The reason I say that is, right, if that is the majority, all we're stating is, does or asking is, does it have to be that way? Can we build a system where, because I fundamentally believe people want to go to work and, and work, whatever that means, want to work on things that excite them and, and, and positively impact the world. Right. So if, if you remove the, the, the the current structure, I don't think people are just going to sit back on the couch and and ask for handouts. I truly don't. Others will, we could debate that left and right. But, um, to your point, if we realign the, the goals, the incentives to perhaps be more global and it's happening now, right. A lot of companies are doing it. They're seeing it's the only way forward. Could we be more decent? I think it's a valid
2: point. I I think it's I think it's possible. I I don't see another way forward. Um, I I don't I don't think I don't think politics is the answer. I don't think um, personal growth is the answer. I just think you get flattened by larger forces. Uh, You know, the politicians are really um, at the behest of business, not vice versa. Um, So what are we talking about here? I mean, it's important. It's very important. But if we're fundamentally going to change things, I, I think all the you know, all the pointer signals point in the direction of business. And what I'm so excited about is that I absolutely believe that you can run a profitable, radically decent business where your social bottom line is as serious to you as your financial bottom line. It's hard because I
1: want to disagree for those out there. It's like one of the things I like to do is appease or answer those that are naysayers, I just believe in similar things. So I'm sure you've heard of like the B Corp, right? Oh yes. Yeah. And I've seen that in action and I'm like, that's a step in the right direction. I mean, I dealt with it again when I was at this nonprofit, it was new to me. Oh, okay. And the ideal there is like, yeah, we put profit and call it people or call it benefit or whatever on the same plane. We don't
2: misalign them.
1: There's an interesting concept.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah, you can have multiple bottom, but real bottom lines. Right. Although I do say, you've you got to be clear, maybe it's because we ch- have to change the world, that profitability is priority, one, uh, priority 1A, and decency is priority 1. So profitability, when you have to make a choice, go with decency, trusting that 80 to 90% of the time, it's not a problem. Right. And that a path is going to reveal itself that will allow you to continue to be profitable. So, I, I do have to say, um, we well, my organizational um, manifestation these days is the Decency Foundation, which focuses on decency in business, and uh, and we've spoken at length with the B Corp guys who are actually right ah. here in Philadelphia, uh, and um, uh, and we're doing something that's complementary uh, to what they're doing they they have this wonderful, good housekeeping seal of approval, mm-hmm. which is so important. And they're working with bigger companies. We want to create something that um, becomes um, less a scorecard and more a working metric to measure social return. Um, so that um, instead of rating a company, we'll work with the senior executives and we'll say, we want to get us and you to a point where when you sit down with your senior executives each quarter, you'll say, let's review the financial returns uh, and uh, see how we've done and where we can improve. And, you know. and now let's turn to our social metrics uh, and let's see how we're doing there and what we've done well and what we haven't done well, what we can do in the next quarter to get better. And uh, so we're working on this metric. I don't know if we can pull it off. It's really, really complicated, but I'm so excited
1: about it. Jeff, you know what's crazy is I, I mean, our our lives have kind of been extremely similar. I, I don't want to take too much time here, but the nonprofit I keep referring to is called Eat Real. And what we did was we took our model from lead, right, from what they did for buildings, and we wanted to apply a similar standard to food service operators. So if you're a restaurant, how do we help increase health and sustainability? But we did it not through here's a grade, get better. We said we we went in. And we would say, uh, with registered dietitians, with experts, we had a whole uh, you know, board and all of this full of some of the top doctors and, and health uh, professionals. And we'd go in and say, here are some small changes you can do that will help both your bottom line and the world and the consumer. Could be as small as changing the oil and they just didn't recognize it, right? And they do it and it's healthier, it's more sustainable, it's cost effective. And like that that's the smallest example. It has now shifted more towards a focus on education. I'm not there anymore. But my point is uh exactly what you're talking about, B Corp lead. And and look, the world's going that way. The biggest companies are saying we're going, you know, completely sustainable by 2050 or whatever it is. I hope we're going that way. Yes. I yeah. And and yeah. we could be going that that's way.
2: That's true. I'm a you can tell I'm a pretty heavy skeptic. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot for a long time. I, I gotta tell you something, Chris. <coughs> Uh, so our focus on creating this metric, uh, well, we have a focus as well, and you're going to laugh. It's agriculture. No way. Yeah, because my partner in this project, an amazing man named John McConaughey, who you should put on your list of yeah. interviewers. Yeah, really. John left Wall Street 11 years ago, uh, and he's a farmer in Princeton. And um, he, he, he's, he's figured out two things. One is he's figured out how to make small farming profitable which in essence is by bringing processing back to the farm. Mm-hmm. Yep, which is now affordable. It yep. costs a tenth of what it cost 25 30 years ago. Um, and he's also working hard at being a socially responsible farm. So what we what we're doing is we're raising money at the Decency Foundation so that other farmers who could not finance a shift on farm processing because they didn't make a fortune on Wall Street, we're going to fund other farms to do exactly what John did. And then we're going to bring our metric to those farms, and we're going to help them become more and more socially responsible businesses. And then just like you, my dream is that this model will extend beyond farming at a certain point. That's amazing. So yes, let me, let me get his name. Uh, well,
1: we can connect afterwards, we but, can, yeah. Exactly. Um, I'd love to man i got we we can talk about that okay so i want to get back to this idea uh the the kind of bringing it back to what can we do and what does it mean and i want to start here a question i want to ask at the beginning a values based approach to a better life let's just pause there okay what does a values based approach mean how do you define values how can we define them for ourselves
2: okay well so I do it. I, I, I have seven values, and I've said them a couple of times. I'm sure. going to repeat them again. Uh, and so the trick is to focus on those values literally at every moment. Okay? So when I started talking about John, I said, am I being decent to Chris because it's his show, and maybe I'm getting too... Okay, I am I think I'm thinking my values. It Works for me? Does it work for Chris? Okay. Uh, so So... First of all, you need to articulate values clearly. Um, and then the trick is to do it at each moment. Don't don't think like, well, this is something I'll do when I go to church on Sunday, or this is something I'll do, you know, wherever, uh, with my wife. Um, and, um, and there's magic in that because it is subtle and it does raise a lot of things about how we manage our own feelings, how we treat other people, and I do think you get better at it when you do it, you know, day by day, moment by moment. Did any answer your question?
1: Yeah, that was great. No. Okay. For a lot of reasons, I want to dig in. So you're a psychotherapist. I'm wondering, do you ever talk to people or help
2: them clarify their values? You know, it doesn't come up explicitly that often, but I like to think that it just permeates everything that I do with my, with my, um, clients and, and the description of how I work with couples that I you know, shared with you earlier, I think exemplifies that.
1: The reason I ask is I've going through coaching and things. I've worked with a lot of people, talked to a lot of people about, Hey, define your values. Um, I've found, I've heard and found many different ways to do that. Some of which I agree with some of which I don't, I think it's harder than we give credit for. So I was curious if I'm sitting, listening to this going, you know what, I like this idea, but I haven't defined my values before. I'll tell you right now, if that's you, it's not as simple as like, what are my values? It's just not. But there are ways to figure it out. Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Hmm.
2: You know, I started with this idea of radical decency with a bunch of people in my living room. And I said, so what do we mean by decency? You know, And we wound up with 170 words which I eventually whittled down to five and then expanded to seven. So I just want to really affirm when you say it's hard. I really believe that. Um, And, and, and I, and I think it it requires a a pretty tough reckoning because, you know, we all want to have it both ways. God knows I still do, you know? So I want to, you know, like I want to have the biggest piece of pie and make the most money (laughs) and be decent. right? Right. And, You know, so it's, it's, it's really, really tough. Um, and, and I I guess all I can say is, um, you know, like good therapy, it's, it's day by day. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a war of attrition. It's, it's just hard work and good work. I mean, you know, obviously,
1: absolutely. And so let's say that, uh, we have, we have defined our values, um, and we're, thinking about them at decision points. What do you propose or what have you seen um, are some areas we can either get stuck or we can really exemplify this? What I'm trying to ask is how do we operationalize this in our lives so we move it beyond the theoretical for every person listening?
2: Right. So, Well, the thing that sustains me a lot is... Uh, You know, nobody's radically decent, okay? I'm not radically decent, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, It's just too tough, right? Even if we lived in a very, you know, values-neutral world, which we don't. Uh, So I I think that's really important, which is, this is a journey, you know? And uh, and get away from compete and win. Don't judge yourself, okay? Because that's a horrible aspect of compete and win is self-judgment, okay? So um, the, the, my mantra is focus, persistence, guts, creativity, and a lot of self-compassion. And it really does sustain me. I, you know, I had a conversation with my wife this morning, and, um, and, you know, I have to think about the guts part, you know. I could let this slide, but maybe I shouldn't. Now, the, the, the choice wasn't obvious, but the mantra was there. Don't forget about guts, Jeff. So, do you think it's a cumulative reward,
1: right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, that's what I was oh, just yeah. thinking of. Right? Like, as you said that, I'm glad you walked through those. Um, you know, because because we can talk about decency in general, and it, I get it, but again, operationalizing it for the individual, um, when we talk about our individual values and then how to implement them, it's a choice by choice basis. And I think without them, we can fall too easily to uh, what serves me in this moment and what is perhaps easiest or least painful in this moment. And an argument or a a discussion, a tough discussion with somebody you care about is probably a prime example. Uh,
2: Or a lot of people fall into the other category, which is what pleases you in this moment, yeah, okay. That, yeah, no, I'm I, Mother yeah. Teresa here. You yeah, know, yeah. whatever you want is great. It's so, yeah. not great. That doesn't work. You huh. So, You know, there's a capper argument that um, to all of this for me, mm-hmm. which I just believe so strongly, which is doing this is its own reward, okay? And um, if it's okay, I'll run you through that. Let's do it. Okay. So first of all, you're rarely focused on the present, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Now, if you focus on the present, all those regrets and anxieties about the past are going to tend to recede, right? Mm-hmm. I'm right here, right now, talking to Chris. That's right. Okay. Uh, worries about the future tend to recede. You know. So think about your business. If all you're thinking about is profit, it's going to be a very confusing, anxiety-filled future. But if it's informed by these overriding values the future becomes simpler because my here and now choices are going to define the future. That's good. You feel better when you worry less about the past and, uh, or more, less regrets about the past, less worry about the future. The other thing is we're, we're, we're receding from judgment. okay? And what goes in and what goes out, you're a coach. I'm sure you know this. It, they tend to converge. So if we're, if we're receding from judgment, we're treating ourselves better. We're not beating the crap out of ourselves because we finished second, you know, or didn't get the contract, okay? The other thing is it clarifies choices. Your choices are simpler, you know, because you have a guidepost. And then the other thing is um, we all want to have meaning in life. And I think if you really embrace a values-based approach, it doesn't have to be radical decency. It could be Christianity or, you know, Buddhism. But if you embrace it, you have an ennobling sense of purpose and that's, that's a big deal. I'm pausing
1: here because I, I, I know enough about this to be dangerous. I've done values exercises a long time, but I, it's so easy to stray from them. And I don't mean stray immensely. I'm not going out there doing things that are the antithesis of who I am or whatever. It just, uh, it becomes difficult in the environment. I'm wondering what happens. Let's go back to business here as we wrap this up. What happens when my values are, you know, whatever, empathy and, and, um, you know, mutual benefit and things like that? And I'm in a place where, uh, you know, at a, at, a, at a job or at a conversation or a company where I know if I live my values, the outcome will be less
2: optimal. How do you square that? You can't. It's a dilemma. Okay. And I spent a lot of time in the book talking about what do you do when you're a worker? What do you do when you're a middle manager? And, you know, my advice is, well, you have to be self-protective. You have to be. If you don't survive, what's the point of the exercise? Ah. But if you're only self-protective, if you don't also really work on strategies to influence your immediate environment with your group and hopefully the larger environment well not enough and, um, and understanding that these are authoritarian structures every last one of them and it, you know and, and and that's the final point i make in that extended discussion in the book which is you, you know your job's at stake so take it seriously don't don't self emulate that's ridiculous okay but you know people have died for their values and there may come a point where you're just going to have to say to your company I'm just not okay with it and, and understanding the consequences yep but don't look for those moments you know
1: no i think i think that is a great capstone here because to your point um it is uh incremental right it it it, it is this is one of the most incremental things we can do i and i would ask if you believe the same, but like, this doesn't have to be an all or nothing. It can't be because of the world in which we live and its complexities. But the more you take this approach, the more it becomes The first of all, the easier it becomes. So the more you probably do it uh, without thinking, and therefore it transforms the person you are into the person you want to be. And therefore you are more proud of and, and, uh, look back on your life and your time accordingly. I mean, I think about, I was, I was just listening to somebody talk about parenthood. Uh, I've got two little kids and how it makes you a better person. And, you know, okay, that's a nice tagline on a bumper sticker, but then I thought about it and I really thought about it. Okay. How does it? And the first thing that jumped out to me, is like my initial reactions to things I dislike are far more muted. Right. If, uh, my, my son put a hole in the wall with a bat the other day on accident, he's three, by the way. And I was just like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, like you know, I mean, they broke a window. Are you okay? You know, that's the that's the thing. Um, so if you're somebody that leans towards maybe anger, that's a way of hopefully at making you better. My point with it all is, is it's con- continuously moving towards the person you want to become, but not doing it to your point uh, at the, at the extent that it's not going to let you move forward, therefore lose your job and things like that. Right. It's a great place yeah. to think about it
2: and unless you can't avoid that right but, you know for god's sake don't martyrs don't i mean martyrs are fine they they make their points but that's i love what you, that you said incremental i mean i think i'm a radical incrementalist <laughs> we just changed the title there now <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well jeff this is
1: this is awesome i i it's uh it was everything i hope for and more i really appreciate it we mentioned a few times the book and i think this is one that's going to resonate with everyone radical decency a values-based approach to a better life and world you talked about how for professionals what do we do at these different turning points how do we live this why does it matter you know we've we've covered a lot of ground in this hour but I think we've still just scratched the surface and you go into more depth here so I wanted to turn it over to you and, and a couple of things one is um, is there anything else you'd like to kind of leave the audience with as they think about radical decency and then also, um, you know, where would you guide them to find the book, yeah. to learn more about you, et cetera?
2: Yeah. Well, no, I don't think I have much to add. Um, and, you know, I, I always like to end, and I have, with decency really is its own reward, um, and not in some airy-fairy way, you know, some really intensely practical day-by-day ways. Um, yeah, and of course, I'd love people to read the book, and you can get it at Amazon. I also have, you know, my author's page, uh, www dot jeffgarson.com dot com, um, which um, has a little bit more and has my weekly blog on it. Um, there's also a section where you can contact me because, as you can tell, I love to talk about radical decency. So don't be the least bit shy to uh, drop me a line through my through my website and uh, uh, and like I said, I love to talk about it. That's fantastic. So, well, again, Jeff, thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Chris, it's been great. I, I really. Um, it's been great getting to know you. You uh, as well. And I love how much we seem to share.
0: That was our interview with Jeff Garson. Hope you enjoyed it. Jeff's book, Radical Decency A Values Based Approach to a Better Life and World, can be found wherever books are sold. And now let's get to a few housekeeping items and then we'll get you on your way. If you'd ever like to reach out to the show, you can email us at, smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And if you want to stay up to date with all things Smart People Podcast, head over to the website smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. Chris and I are able to keep making this podcast because of supporters like you. So if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. All right, that's it for us this week. We've got a lot of great interviews coming up, so make sure you stay tuned and we'll see you all next episode.